0: This is Theology Refresh. David Mathis here talking with Jerry Bridges. Jerry, thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you, David. It's good to be here.
0: It's a blessing to have Jerry here at the Desiring God offices for the day. And one of the things we get to do is capture another episode of Theology Refresh. Our topic for this episode is the spiritual disciplines. And our aim, as always in these podcasts, is to refresh pastors and other Christian leaders on important topics in the Christian life. And a very important topic especially a practical topic for the everyday, is what the Christian spiritual disciplines are and in what way do we think about those and, and act in those spiritual disciplines. Jerry, would you give us a, a general orientation? When someone asks about the spiritual disciplines, uh, where do you direct them?
1: Well, first of all, I'd like to rename the spiritual disciplines. There's an old expression uh, the means of grace Mm. I like to because young people don't understand that I talk about the instruments of grace Mm. and you know uh, discipline is kind of a dirty word Mm -hmm. in our permissive society today and so the things that are what we call the spiritual disciplines are really God's means of building us up yes Uh, I have a treadmill Uh, That treadmill is a means of strengthening my heart, which I'm in this heart rehab now. But uh, I have to use the discipline to avail myself of the advantage of that treadmill. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with the spiritual disciplines. God has provided us these instruments of grace, Mm -hmm. His grace to us, as a means of building us up. But we have to use them, just like I have to use the treadmill We have to use these instruments of grace. So I would call the spiritual disciplines God's instruments of grace in our lives. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, Some make a a long list of spiritual disciplines, and some make a shorter list. Uh, What are these spiritual disciplines, or these means of grace?
1: I would say that they could all be summarized under two headings, the Word of God and prayer. And under the Word of God, uh, we have, you know, Bible reading and Bible study and Scripture memorization so forth. But uh, the thing that brings both of these together, the Word of God and prayer, is what I call our time alone with God. Mm-hmm. Most people say the quiet time. I don't particularly like that expression. It doesn't communicate. Uh, but So I use the term time alone with God. And I think particularly for those in Christian ministry, it's very important that we get this time alone with God, not to prepare sermons or anything, write books or anything like that, but to refresh our own souls. Mm-hmm. We need that daily experience with God in the Word and in prayer to refresh and build up our own souls.
0: Very good. So uh, People will talk about whether uh, that it's uh, advisable to have that in the morning, first thing the day, or any time throughout the day. What, what kind of advice do you give people who are uh, just beginning to practice the spiritual disciplines, these means of grace for themselves?
1: Well, I would say the time of day when you can be uh, most free from everything else, and in other words, you can set aside all of your mundane responsibilities and so forth and focus st- strictly on the Word of God and prayer. Now, for me, I'm a morning person, mm-hmm. so that's first thing in the morning. Uh, f- for other people, it might be late at night when you know the day is all over and they can sit back and relax and have this time. I'd say for uh, mothers with small children, particularly infants, uh, it would be that time of day when the children are napping And they can take that time to be alone with God. It's to be alone with God is the central thought in that. Mm -hmm.
0: Any advice for pastors and and other leaders in terms of how they work through Scripture in a personal season of communion with God? Um, They could go deep in a verse or two. They could be reading a few chapters to get through the Bible in a year.
1: And any of those work. Uh, and I use both. Uh, I My own personal practice is just to read through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I used to do this once a year. I've backed off from that, and now I just read through the Bible however long it might take. And the reason I do that is because, as you mentioned, like in the historical books, you might read three chapters or something like that, but when you get to Paul... You might read three verses, Mm -hmm. and it has so much content there that you want to stop and reflect upon that. And so, to me, the object is not to read this chapter, but it's to spend time with God Mm -hmm. through His Word.
0: Mm -hmm. We we do hear a lot, uh, and we talk about the spiritual disciplines and and communion with God uh, in reading the Bible, studying the Bible. Anything you'd have to to say in terms of, of practice for prayer? for us.
1: Uh, Yes. Um, I use the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 as my example. I don't think that uh, we are to slavishly follow those expressions, but that prayer is divided into two parts. The first half is pertaining to God. His name be hallowed, his will be done, his kingdom come. The second part pertains to us. Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. And so I believe that my priority in prayer is to focus first of all upon God. Mm -hmm. That the the most important prayer I can pray is, Hallowed be your name. Mm -hmm. And then just not say that, but what does that mean? What does that look like in my everyday life and in the lives of my church or in the organization that I'm working with? the fulfillment of the Great Commission, all of those things come under that hallowed be your name. Uh, And uh, so I start there, and I spend quite a bit of time praying over God's interests and then go to my family, myself, uh, my friends, and so forth.
0: That's good. How about the place of the corporate body in the community, in the in the means of grace. When we divide them up in the categories of the Word of God and prayer, I'm, I'm not assuming that those are individual. There's also a, a corporate receiving of the Word and a corporate prayer. Could you- yes,
1: the, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, the I would say that the whole Bible, uh, in the Old Testament of one sense and the New Testament expresses delivery, but the whole Bible assumes community. Mm-hmm. We're not Lone Rangers. Now, each of us have our own individual responsibility. You know, in the body of Christ, each of us has a role to play. Uh, some are eyes and some are feet and so forth. But uh, uh, the object of our of our growing in our Christian life is that the whole body be built up. In fact, if you'll just give me a moment to turn to passage in Ephesians, Ephesians four sixteen, he says from whom that is from Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every joint which is with which each is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up. So our our responsibility is not just to become more spiritual ourselves, mm-hmm. but to play our part in building up the body. But if we're not playing our part, then the body itself will not be built up. So it's not either or, it's both. That's good. We both have a, I mean, we have a responsibility to practice the spiritual disciplines ourselves, but also in order that we might do that in
0: community. Oh, that's really good that we can be a means of grace to others. Right, instance, exactly. Like a Hebrews 3, 12 to 14, mm-hmm. take yeah, care. Exactly that you would see an evil heart of unbelief in somebody else and mm-hmm. take the initiative, go after them, pray for them, and speak yeah. truth into their lives.
1: Yeah, one of the frequent expressions in the, in the epistles is one another. Mm-hmm. Love one another, exhort one another, care for one another, so forth.
0: Very good. How about the, some would call them sacraments, some would call it ordinances. In, in particular, we as Protestants hold to two, baptism and the Lord's Supper. In what sense are they a a means of grace or a a kind of spiritual discipline, even though they don't fit quite in the same category of things that we'd practice personally in the morning?
1: Well, first of all, just to acknowledge that there is, some people call the sacraments, some people call them ordinances. And uh, to me, that's not so important as long as I get to the substance. That's right. uh, For baptism. Uh, And unfortunately, I think, most people when they are baptized uh, do not recognize this but baptism is symbolic of the fact that we have been married with christ and raised again that we we are united with him in his death and his resurrection to newness of life and paul brings us up very vividly in romans chapter six and that's the beginning of his teaching on sanctification we first of all have to realize that we have died to the world. We've died to the person we were in Adam, and we're now alive in Christ Jesus. And uh, unfortunately, most of the time, baptism is just, for lack of a better word, I'm going to say a performance. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's done mm. without recognizing the symbolism and the importance of that. Uh, Similarly with the Lord's Supper, of course, Paul said, uh, as often as you do these things, we remember what Christ has done. So whether we view that as a sacrament involving what uh, Reformed people ought often call the spiritual presence of Christ, or whether it's an ordinance remembering, in either case, uh, for example, in the... the, uh, Remembering, we should do more than remember. We should enjoy the truth of what the Lord's Supper symbolizes, Mm -hmm. that we are participating in his shed blood. We are participating in his broken body. And uh, so I, for myself, (coughs) I spend uh, most of the time when the elements are being served, Mm -hmm. reflecting upon what Christ has done for me and expressing my appreciation to him for His shed blood and his broken body.
0: Good. So even that can be seen as a kind of word of God in prayer. Exactly. And, and a kind of uh, walking back through the gospel. Exactly. Yes. One more thing I wanted to ask you about. Chapter 3 of your book, The Discipline of Grace, is called Preach the Gospel to Yourself, I believe. I have a, a good buddy whose life was transformed by the reading of that chapter. So I wanted to ask you about that. Uh What do you mean by preach the gospel to yourself, and how how is that a means of grace for the Christian to practice?
1: I think the average Christian, and this would have included me until I was enlightened, uh, they look upon the gospel as for the unbeliever. And once they trust Christ, you no longer need the gospel, now you need the moral imperatives of this is how you ought to live kind of a thing. Uh, A number of years ago, through... Uh, like what I call the deep night of the soul, and that's that's a phrase that one of the old mystics somewhere back used, and I borrowed that. Uh, I struggled with my relationship with the Lord, and the solution for me of uh, the Spirit of God just led me to go back to the gospel. Mm. And so I began to reflect on that, and then I read a lot of the, the Puritans and people who followed in their train And it was amazing how God just providentially brought to my attention various books in which I found that there was a strain all the way through from the the Reformers right through the 19th century of the importance of the Gospel in the life of a believer. Somewhere along the line, for reasons that I don't know, in the 20th century the Evangelical Church seem to have lost sight of that. Mm. But uh, the Puritans, the 19th century reformers in Scotland and so forth, they all emphasize this. John Owen, Mm -hmm. the prince of the Puritans, very emphatic in his book, Communion with God, on the necessity of of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. He didn't use that expression. He simply goes through what it is, and then his concluding remark is, and you must do this every day. So um, the gospel is a means of grace to me, and it is the first part of my time alone with God before I even open the Bible. From memory, I go through gospel verses and things like Mm. that. I, I start my time alone with God sort of this way. I say, Father, I come to you today in the attitude of that man in the parable who prayed, God, be merciful to me, Mm -hmm. a sinner. Mm -hmm. I acknowledge that you have been merciful. I'm thanking you for that. But the reason I come in this attitude is because I'm still a practicing sinner. I need the daily cleansing of your blood. And uh, so that attitude of still a practicing sinner leads me then to the gospel as the solution for that. And to me, the gospel includes not only the death of Christ, but also the life of Christ, that perfect righteousness which he uh, earned for us. And uh, so I, I say, Lord, I, I come to you, uh, and I stand before you clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. And cleansed by his blood. And then I say, would you meet with me this morning Mm -hmm. through your word Mm -hmm. and through prayer? So I'm asking God to meet with me. Uh, My favorite verse along this line is Psalm 63, verse 1, which says, O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you as in a dry and thirsty land. And I I just say, Lord, I really want to meet with you. Mm -hmm. And would you condescend in your grace to meet with me and teach me, encourage me, instruct me, rebuke me, whatever you want to do through your word today. But would you meet with me through your word? And that is uh, strictly for my own benefit. It's not to prepare a message. Mm-hmm. or for my wife or it's for me yes. and what I need and uh, so that's the way I approach it and then following that I, and I, I use the term reflect and pray over reflect over what I'm reading mm-hmm. think about what I'm reading and pray over it pray it back to God um, whatever the, that passage of scripture is telling me Whether It's three chapters in First Chronicles or three verses in Paul someplace, whatever that passage is teaching, that I talk to the Lord about it, asking him to work it out in my own life.
0: Jerry, thank you so much for joining us here. Would you pray for our listeners as we conclude?
1: Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have of spending time with you. We think of you who are the infinite God who created the universe and now sustains it uh, every moment of our lives, every moment of the existence of your universe is sustained by you. And yet, Father, you have condescended to send your Son to be one of us and to live and to die in our place. And we thank you for this, and we thank you that through our union with him, we can have this relationship and fellowship with you. And I pray that you would bless these thoughts that David and I have shared together this morning to encourage and strengthen our brothers and sisters in Christ, that all of us, our time with you, would be more fruitful in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.